Welcome to the South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast. I'm your host, Matt Mitterell. The South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast exists as a platform for the voices of apostolic leadership. Here, guests respond to racial and cultural topics from a biblical, historical, and experiential perspective. The South Carolina District Building the Bridge ministry seeks to contribute to the continued advancement of diversity within the United Pentecostal Church International by effectively working towards evangelizing the African-American and Black community. This work involves promoting the inclusion and cultural affirmation within the South Carolina District while providing resources and advice to UPCI ministers on matters of importance to the African-American and Black community. By working with National Building the Bridge leadership, local pastors, and ministers, including those newly licensed, South Carolina District Building the Bridge endeavors to promote the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. For more information, visit buildingthebridgeministries.com or contact me at scbtbministries at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in again to the South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast. Um, Man, we are in an exciting time here in the state of South Carolina and abroad. Uh, We just wrapped up the 2023 uh, Spanish conference in Charleston. Um, Our church, Aphesis Church in Columbia, just wrapped up a week long prayer revival uh, with our good friend, Evangelist Marcus Baptiste from Florida. Um, We saw a few filled with uh, the Holy Ghost and many refilled and, uh, and just a, an, an, uh, an all out Holy Ghost packed event. It was a week long and we had a really good time um, uh, last week uh, worshiping the Lord together uh, and really seeking his face for our, for our city, for our state, for our leaders, um, and just, you know, uh, really being intentional about, about praying after and, and seeking after the Lord. We, uh, we're also in this season here where our young people from all over the nation are headed to uh, North American Youth Congress in St. Louis. We've got a delegation uh, going uh, to St. Louis this year, so we're all looking forward to that. And then right off the hills of the uh, NAYC 2023, Anderson uh, Sanctuary of Praise in Anderson, South Carolina, will be hosting the Back to School Rally. Uh, 2023 back to school rally on August 11th. So I know and believe it's going to be a power packed time in the Lord with all of those young people coming back just on fire from NAYC. And uh, I want to also make mention that it's still not too late to register for the reach and connect virtual seminar, uh, which the South Carolina building the bridge will be hosting uh, myself uh, along with pastor Wilbert Blandon, whom I've interviewed on this podcast previously that is scheduled to occur on July 25th at 7 p.m. And you can uh, get more information by visiting scbtbministries.bio.link. It'll have a a registration link there. And we uh, set it up so that folks can register, pastors can register, uh, ministers can register, uh, delegates from your church can register if they'd like to attend. And uh, I plan to just share a vision uh, for South Carolina and what this ministry can do here in South Carolina, share some testimonies about what's happening nationally through the Building the Bridge uh, effort, and then address or or uh, answer any questions that um, participants might have. But we want to get you registered just so we can get a, a good head count 
of uh, of of uh, who to attend or or how many people will be uh, attending. But without further ado, I'm excited today to sit down with my guest, my friend. Uh, we've done uh, a few uh, kayak trips together and had fun. And, and uh, I think um, I've gone swimming on one of those occasions, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, my guest today is Pastor Joshua Elders, uh, who was born and raised in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And Pastor Elders has pastored House of Refuge in Orangeburg since 2015. And at a very young age, he felt the calling of God uh, to be a minister. And so he began pursuing that calling, uh, which led him to study theology at Texas Bible College. And he, he and his wife, Jamie Elders, they met there at Texas Bible College and have a strong burden and passion to spread the gospel to the city of Orangeburg. You know, Pastor Elders uh, will also tell you that he drinks too much coffee and he enjoys camping. I do like a good cup of joe. Uh, but I'm I'm probably a little bit more disciplined than you, my brother. I only I try to li limit it to one one cup a day. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome, welcome to the South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast, man. I hope you're doing well. Yes, sir. It's it's good being here. I appreciate the uh, opportunity, brother. Amen, amen. Well, I brought you on today, and um, you know I'd like to just sit down and and talk about number one, your early ministry. Uh, I'd like for you to share uh, some details on. Uh, the exciting outreach effort that you you, you're, you and your church have been in here since the spring um, and, and being intentional about reaching your community. And, um, you know, let, let's let's open it up. Let's just start by talking about your early ministry um, and any challenges or wins you may have faced along the way. Um, <clears throat> I guess. Uh, early ministry, I, I've always loved God. I was born and raised in, in this apostolic truth, and um, there was always a love for God instilled in me by my parents. And uh, it wasn't just from church. You know, it wasn't my pastor doing all the work instilling things in me. My parents instilled the word of God in me. And, and, I, and I developed the love for God while I was young. And um, I was maybe 13 years old maybe younger, maybe 11, somewhere around in there. And I just remember I was laying in my bed one night and the burden for young people, uh, even though I was extremely young myself, Ooh. just the burden for young people sat on me. And I just began to weep in the presence of God uh, for young people. And I wanted to reach them and I wanted to minister to them somehow. I didn't even know how to minister, um, but I knew something was there. And then from there, um, again, I always loved God. And, but from there, I guess that burden to reach people or help people kind of began to sit on me. And from there, I began to, to, to reach out and try to reach people. I started dealing with my cousins teaching Bible studies to my cousins, uh, teaching Bible studies to my friends, as many as would let me. Um, some of them were baptized. Some of them received the Holy Ghost. Um, and obviously there was fluctuations there. If they were faithful or not. But sure. yeah. uh, I, I just started re wanting to reach people. And 
So I guess that's kind of how it started uh, in high school, inviting people to church, every job I, w- I was at, trying to teach Bible studies, uh, teaching Bible studies to anybody that would let me, inviting people to church. And then I was about 17, and my pastor at the time, uh, he told me, he said, you enjoy your life now, but it's coming where you're going to have to get very serious about mm. ministry. Mm. And so I didn't really, I heard what he said, but I didn't really understand what was on the way, but he did uh, mm. because he knew at that time I was 17, but he knew I was the man that God had ordained for me to take the pastorship of, of the church in Orangeburg. And from then he just started pouring into me and opening Ooh. up opportunities for me to preach and, and teaching me and investing in me and giving me opportunities. And it just began to grow. And I never wanted to pastor. So at that point I knew that there was a call of ministry on my life to some degree to preach or whatever, but I wanted to, you know, travel, preach Ooh. and leave. Be an evangelist. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to pastor because I knew the responsibility that came with that of yeah. overseeing people's souls. And I did not want that responsibility at all. How 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 long had the church uh been there in Orangeburg um uh before you so began? Was, yeah. It was started by a brother named Brother Miles. Mm-hmm. And I'm not th- I'm not sure the exact year it started. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty positive it was around fifty to fifty-five years ago, something wow, like okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. So it, it's been there, yeah, quite a while. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, I'm sorry. Um, continue. Yep. So um, the Lord began to deal with me and changing my heart, and all of a sudden it went from just wanting to reach people to wanting to develop people. And where I I really wanted to be involved in helping them develop and counsel them and really minister to them on a further basis of, uh, you know, shepherding people. Mm -hmm. And only God did that. Yeah. I was going to ask how, how, how have you approached, you know, um, that change say, you know, if you, if you, I mean, we, anytime we have plans for our life, it's, you know, I imagine God oftentimes just sitting back laughing, going, Oh, that's what you think is going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) You know, know, just kind of see him sitting going, Oh, that's, that's cute. You know, that's real cute. Uh, My plans are different. I know the plans I have for you. I don't think you know the plans you have, I have for you, but um, you know, so how have you approached becoming more of a, uh, more of a shepherd over man, over almost, uh, uh, almost 10 years now, um, since 2015, uh, how have you approached that change? If your if your outlook at first was to be more of an evangelist. Um, I, I guess ultimately it started with the Lord dealing with, with my heart to mm-hmm. all I can say is he, he changed my heart mm-hmm. 100% because I, in my natural man, I don't want to be in people's business. Yeah. Like my business is enough. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so uh he just began to really change my heart. I guess you know the scripture delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. 
I've always viewed that scripture as not if you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to give you what you want, mm. but delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give your heart the desires you need. Mm. Yes. He'll change the desires of your heart into what his desires are. Yeah. And just from seeking him again, I, I loved God. I wanted to please God. I wanted to walk with God. And just from spending time with him, spending time in his presence, just something began to shift. And there's not really a way to explain it other than just God started giving me the desires of my heart mm. and where I could see, like, I knew the responsibility was great to oversee people's souls, but there became a desire to just help people grow and minister to them and help them counsel them, deal with them. And I guess as that grew, I, I just started doing it mm. uh, as he put that in me. I just started dealing with people and mm. helping them. So as my pastor was developing me, I assisted him and, and he actually let me deal with people. You know, he, he didn't, he wasn't scared. He wasn't, you know, he knew the plans that God had. He, he wasn't worried about me trying to split a church. He knew yeah. I was submitted. Yeah. He knew I wasn't going anywhere and he trusted and he, you. And he trusted me Yeah, and he let me deal with some people. And, um, and as I just dealt with people and I, I don't know, it was just a love for those people, the love of God flowing through me and through experience of dealing with people, you learn how to deal with people. Yeah. OJT on the job training, brother. Oh yeah. Yes. You learn how to follow the Holy ghost. You, yes. you learn the voice of God. Uh, you learn that people lie to you and you got to trust the voice of God. <laughs> but, um, I actually, so Will Eberhardt, mm -hmm. uh, he was a big uh, part in my ministry because he, he came in, I, I tried reaching him for like two years. I was just inviting him to church. Just, we, we went to high school together. Mm -hmm. We graduated and I didn't see him for a while, uh, quite a while. But then uh, I started kind of seeing him. He just started running into each other. And every time we run into each other, I just invite him to church, talk to him about God a little bit. And finally he came Yeah. and, and he never stopped. Yeah. And so I started teaching him Bible studies and dealing with him. Um, and he was, uh, so two years, he came in two years before I transferred into being the pastor of the church. Mm. So for two years, my pastor entrusted me to disciple Will. And I, I was the one that dealt with Will the most. Yeah. So obviously the pastor at the time, he was Will's pastor at that time. Sure. And so he did pastor Will, but mm. he really entrusted me to really help Will and minister to him and, and be that for him. And so that was a huge, uh, training, so to speak, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. before going into pa actually pastoring people. Yeah. Um, so I guess before I stepped into that role, I kinda, I had some, uh, practice yeah, yeah. following the Holy ghost and dealing with people and yeah. ministering to people one-on-one -on -one and, uh, yeah. And it just kind of grew. You faced any uh, challenges, any specific challenges along the way that um, that you can recall or maybe one that stands out to you? Um, 
over the years. I mean, you've been, you've been, you know, pastoring um, specifically for again, close to 10 years, like as the, as the lead pastor, but like you stated, even, even before that you were, uh, you know, shepherding people um, with your pastor's, uh, pastor's blessing, um, you know, and so with, with the ministry of that longevity, I imagine that along the way you've had some, you know, some barriers to progress or barriers to uh, revival. And so if, if any come to mind. Um, I would, I guess uh, the only challenge that I can think of is, is just the personal one of how, when you deal with people and invest in the people and they, they just don't want God, you know, yeah. they're stony ground. They last for a while, but then when the heat comes, the trials, the tribulations, the temptations, the testings, you know, they decide, well, they don't really want it. Yeah. Um, that's tough. Burned out. Yeah, for sure. It burned out yeah. or, or the thorns come up and just choke the right, life out right, of them because right. they can't get away from the things of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't get away from the pursuit of riches. Mm. Um, that's, that's challenging. Yeah investing in the people and then watching them decide that they'd rather the world than God. And, Mm. and you're on this side knowing how good God is Mm. and you're watching them go and pursue riches. And it's, it's like, well, if you would just follow God, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, he would add everything you need. You don't have to pursue money. Uh, money's a false security. You just pursue God. He's going to take care of you. He's the real security. So just seeing, you know, you're on this side and you've lived it and you have experiences and you have beautiful experiences with God and your relationship with him has grown to a place where you have a friendship with him. At least I like to think I have a friendship with him. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. He might be looking (laughs) at me like what we're not friends yet. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I doubt you know, that. I, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you know what it's like to yeah. really walk with God. And then you watch people decide they'd rather the things of the world and the walk with the creator of the universe. And it hurts, you know? Yeah. Amen. You, what you start would you... feeling like Paul Demas has forsaken me. Mm. What would you, what would you say to a, uh, a young, uh, young pastor. I mean, you and I are, are young men, but you know, maybe a pastor who is, um, maybe say newly licensed or considering, uh, taking a pastor or looking at launching a church. And what would you say to that, uh, that young pastor, um, on how to deal with those, uh, those situations, those types of challenges when they come along, because they're going to come along. It's not a matter of if, oh, right. Yeah. It's a matter of when, uh, yeah. when those situations come along. So how would, how would you encourage some young pastor who might be uh, on the verge of facing that challenge? The ones that stay faithful are worth all the ones you see that walk away. Hmm. The good ground is worth the effort and the labor. You know, even though you have the wayside and the stony and the thorny ground, the good ground that you find is worth going through all the ground and facing the uh, frustrations and discouragement that comes with all the types of ground, the good ground you find is worth it. Amen. 
Amen. Kingdom of God is the treasure hid in the field. When you find the treasure, you sell everything you have, you buy the field. Mm. It's, 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 it's worth it. It hurts. It's not fun. Uh, it's disappointing at times Yeah. Uh, to see, you know, people walk away that you love, that you've invested time in, um, that, you know, God has great plans for things. I mean, there's been people that God has shown me what he wanted in their life, beautiful plans, and they don't want it. Uh, so it hurts. It is frustrating, disappointing, but the ones that do that, they stay, they, they love God. They grow, they produce fruit. They step into ministry. Uh, and I believe everyone is called to ministry. Yeah. So I don't say that, you know, just the ones that start, you know, AKA preaching or whatever, right, but right, right. they step into their ministry because we're all called to minister to the, mm -hmm. to the lost. So they step into their function in the body and their ministry and they produce fruit. Those are worth it. Um, even though you go through, all the heartache of other things. Yeah. Amen. How, how do you feel? So you, you've, um, you've been in the Orangeburg area since birth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, how have you, uh, we're going to move a little bit here in just a minute to some of the outreach efforts you've been doing, but before we get there, how, how do you feel the landscape of Orangeburg specifically has changed, um, you know, over the years in terms of there's the, the, the spirituality, um, you know, the, um, some of the spiritual challenges or, or spiritual things that may stand in the way or, um, you know, spe specific things that you've prayed about over the years and you've seen God tear down certain walls and then, you know, but then, you know, the devil raises up a new one and then you pray against that wall and you go, you, you guys can continue on, you continue reaching. How have you seen the landscape change over years, over the years? Um, I don't know if I would necessarily say that it has changed, mm -hmm. so to speak, but um, I guess there's things that I've come to notice more and and that we, we have a, come against things in prayer. Uh, and we've seen obviously little breakthroughs and things like that, but then uh, you go you go through seasons and times. Yeah. Um, but probably the hardest, struggle in our area is religious tradition. Mm. And, and I know that that's a huge struggle in many areas. Yeah. Uh, but religious tradition is very big here. Yeah. And uh, there's actually, there's one thing that I noticed. I told my wife this past week that I, yes, religious tradition is big uh, and a big hurdle people not wanting to receive the truth. Um, and honestly, religious tradition, the root of it is pride Yeah, because no one wants to admit that they're wrong, mm -hmm. even though you're showing them 15,000 scriptures <laughs> to, to but prove this, this that is the way grandma believes. Yeah. 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 This is the way, this the way grandma this is my believes. great, great granddaddy. Yeah. He taught yeah. this yeah. and there's no way he's, he's wrong. No way he was wrong. Yeah. No. Yeah. So uh, obviously that is, that is a, a big thing. Uh, but this past week, it's like, I almost felt like the Lord was trying to show me something. Mm -hmm. So there's a man in our church named Cecil Bird mm -hmm. and um, he, he come out of religious tradition. 
He, mm-hmm. he come out of a Trinitarian belief system, you know, baptizing the titles and all this stuff. And he's been with us uh, since 2008. And he, he will, anybody he comes in contact with, he'll, he'll start talking to him about Jesus name baptism. That, that is his go-to. He's going to bring up Jesus name baptism to them. And he always starts off by asking, Hey, what church do you go to? And they tell him and he'll say, y'all baptizing the father, son, Holy ghost. And, and he, he acts like, you know, he kind of comes across like, like they're in agreement kind of mm. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they, Oh yes, yes, yes. That's the only way, the only way. And then he hits him with the truth. He says, oh, well, what man. if I, what if I showed you in the Bible that no one was ever baptized in the father, son, Holy ghost, but they were wow. baptized in Jesus name. Yeah. And he will come at, you know, like with truth, not, he's not badgering them or right, right, he right, right. gives them the truth, you know? Yeah. And yeah. they will start arguing him and coming at him. Um, but th- this, is I thing. love that approach, by the way. I'm sorry. I'm gonna let you. Continue, oh yeah. But I-, I love that approach, it, right? You're real he, of me. He, and he's <laughs> got it down, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it kind of lets uh, their guard down at first, you know, right? Yeah, Cause yeah, yeah. It, it's, oh yeah, yeah. And then he kind of, he brings the truth in, but <laughs> I love that. The one thing, uh, cause I've been with him many times when he's done this and the one thing I, and I guess we, we were actually talking to a woman this past week when we, we went out on the street mm-hmm. and, uh, I was with him. He was talking to her and I've noticed something. And I guess it really stuck out to me Saturday. She actually agreed with him because he said, what if I showed you in the Bible? No one was ever, ever baptized in the father, son, Holy ghost, but was only baptized in Jesus name. Mm-hmm. She said, probably. And, I, hmm. and I'm like, you just agreed with him. Yeah. And she said, but I, I know we, we grow in the, in grace. We grow in grace. And, and that is true. But, yeah. I mean, if, if you see it in the word, you've got the you part got of growing in grace is acknowledging right. the truth. <laughs> That's right. That's so, right. but she started talking to him about her pastor and, you know, my pastor's got it together. My pastor knows what he's talking about. Mm. And I, I don't know that it just really stuck out to me Saturday, but that's kind of what we run into a lot. So yes, mm. religious tradition, but the reality is it's almost like there's a, there's a deeper thing that the Lord started opening my eyes to Saturday was it's more than just religious tradition. Um, I believe 100% in spiritual authority, submission to authority, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Yes, I, I believe ministry. 100% in yeah. the, you know, the, the, uh, the pyramid of Moses mm. is still in order. I, 100%. Yeah. But, a man can only exercise spiritual authority if he's under authority. Yes. And he, he can only exercise spiritual authority if he's submitted to the word of God in truth. Yes. And so if I find out that the man that I'm trusting with my soul is not following the word of God, I, I don't need to be submitted to him. I need to find someone that is under the truth of the word of God. Wow. Yeah. And, it's like it just really, I don't know, just kind of slapped me in the face Saturday that, yes, we're dealing with religious tradition, but I've I, I noticed that a lot of the people's responses is not debating you with the word of God. They don't bring scriptures to you. Number one, they don't know any. Right. Because there's nothing to support what they believe. Right. They've just heard their pastor say things. 
and they take his voice as the word of God whenever he's teaching stuff that's not true. Yeah. And wow. they make him a God almost. Mm-hmm. And they're going to believe him and trust him to the death over believing the word of God. Yeah. Because wow. Cecil will give them scriptures. I mean, you, you've probably encountered it. I know I've yeah. encountered it. Yeah. You, oh, you yeah. give people the word of God. There's no debating what you're giving them is true. And, and I have had people, and I'm pretty sure you have, and, I, and even Cecil, they admit, I see it. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then they refuse to do anything with to it because it. Yeah. they're going to remain faithful to this man. And again, I believe in spiritual authority and all of that and, yeah. and loyalty to the man of God in your life. I, I, I believe in that. Yeah. But they're going to r- remain loyal to this man and follow him to hell because they're wow. not going to believe the word of God. So it's like, yes, religious tradition, big, big hurdle, mm-hmm. uh, big spirit to come against. But yeah. it's it's almost a deeper thing here where it's like idolatry, where people mm. have taken the man that stands behind a pulpit and they have made him an idol that they worship, that they believe him over actually reading the word of God for themselves and believing the word. Yeah. And I guess Saturday, that kind of really slapped me in the face. And I realized that we're, we are dealing with religious tradition in our area, but beyond that, we're actually dealing with idolatry. Yeah. That people are trusting those men over the word of God. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a deep root to uh to uproot. Of course we know nothing's impossible for God. I think um the the challenge there, yeah, nothing's impossible for God. And I think what God is dealing with though is that individual's willingness to continue to choose to be submitted to that that head or that uh, that that um uh, spiritual authority in their life. Um and, you know, God, uh, one of my, um, the man who taught me the truth and showed me the scriptures, he would always say, his name was Brother Alton Golden in uh, in Tallahassee, Florida. And uh, um, he would always say uh, that, you know, God's a perfect gentleman and he's not going to, he's not going to force anything upon you. Yeah. And, you know, I think that even, even with our prayers, I don't think that our prayers are going unheard of because are going unheard because even with somebody like uh, brother Cecil Burr that you mentioned, you know, yeah, he was there, but now look at him. Now he's loyal to the truth, you know, and yeah. is actively trying to do something. About it. So I think it goes back to something you said earlier in that even just with, you know, you reach for 10, you sow seed for 10, to, uh, you know, or a hundred, but if you get one or 20 to stick around, that seed that you cast is worth it, you know, and it, 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 it makes, the work of ministry all the more uh, fulfilling, you know, yeah. um, when you get one, uh, it's that, it's that song they used to sing. I, I left the 99 to find the one, um, you know, I know that, that <laughs> it's a common scripture people quote, but it's the truth. And I think that we, when we're seeking to do a work in our communities and seeking to, uh, to effectively change our communities. I think if we, if we keep that in mind, uh, that even if, even if I just win one soul, right. One soul at a time. Um, I, I saw something here recently and it, it, I think it's relative relevant to what we're saying, but I saw something here recently about how 
some some guy was saying that the Pentecostal movement, and I don't know what what denomination this guy is a part of, but he said, you know, the Pentecostal movement is obsessed nowadays with events. And um, he said, but we've we've lost sight of the process. We've become addicted to events and hosting events and having revivals and these kind of things. And and he wasn't knocking those things. But his point his point for me was well taken in that if we get so focused on the event, so focused on, uh, you know, saying and and and. and and testifying about how many people were filled with the gift of the Holy ghost or how many people were baptized in Jesus name. That is, those are all good things and those are all necessary things. But if we get so focused on the event and the results of the event or the outcome of the event, um, it can go one of two ways. We can make the event our idol, you know, or we can make the lack of what we would call revival. Say if we don't get, you know, if we only get one soul saved, um, then we we can make that and turn that into a discouragement. Well, it's like, no, the angels are rejoicing over that one soul, yeah. you know? And so we, we can, and we should too. And, and, but anyway, so that, that, what I, what I heard and what I listened to when that guy said that it was very well taken. And I think it, it again speaks to a point you made earlier that even if just one person decides to break with religious tradition, to break with that idolatry of, of pastor worship, um, to pursue the truth it, it, it's uh it's worth it so you've um kind of shifting gears just a little bit but still in the same vein you've you've since since early march uh i believe march or spring correct me if i'm wrong you've um you've been doing these frequent outreach events in the community tell us about those yeah so um for probably two years the lord really began dealing with me about getting out on the street, preaching in the street, uh, getting out of the building, not inviting people. And there's nothing wrong with inviting people to church, but yeah. that's not how you reach people. You know, I never see that in the scriptures. Peter's like, Hey, come to church. Come on to church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they went yeah. to the street and, yeah. and they preached the gospel wherever they were. Um, they, they, did the work wherever they were. So I don't know. He just really began dealing with me about getting out in the street, go preach the gospel on the street. And, uh, just for about two years, just dealing with me about it, dealing with me about it. And so we started, I was praying one day, uh, about just the harvest and the Lord showed me a vision. Well, first he spoke to me and he said, lay a concrete pad, the same size as your building out front of your building. Then I saw a vision of a two peak, uh, white tent. And he said, this is going to facilitate the harvest because your building won't contain it. Hmm. And so we did that. And when we did that, that brought, you know, he was already dealing with me about preaching in the streets. And so whenever we did that, we brought a lot of changes of our sound equipment and various things. So we could go in and out of the building under the tent and in the building. So everything became portable. Mm. Our speaker system became portable. Everything became very portable. Um, and that after everything became portable, it got to where we could actually go out in the street a lot easier. Mm. And so uh, at the end of last year, the Lord told me in March, you're going to begin going out 
preaching in the in the streets in the neighborhoods. And so uh, starting March, that's what we started doing. And we'll go. I, I just follow the Holy Ghost. Just mm-hmm. wherever the Lord takes us, he deals with me. He'll deal with me about a certain neighborhood. Um, I'll, I'll ride through and I'll pray and kind of just follow wherever he's taking me. And, and then I'll let everybody know, okay, this is where we're going. We're going to go to this neighborhood. When we're finished there. We'll go to this neighborhood. We may hit two or three neighborhoods uh, on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we just started doing it. We got a, I had Are you told, doing that every Saturday? Uh, as many as possible. Okay. So, so there has been some Saturdays that it's like, it just didn't happen for whatever reason, uh, either rain or Mm -hmm. for some reason, I just didn't have the peace of the Lord to do it. Yeah. And, and so not every Saturday, but, uh, we go out as often as we can. Yeah. Um, so brother, uh, sledge, he is, uh, the missionary to Germany or one of mm-hmm. the missionaries to Germany. So mm-hmm. he was with us when he was deputizing. And I was telling him my vision of what the Lord was giving me about preaching in the streets. Yeah. And he, he told me, he said, well, I have a, you know, I, I did a lot of prison ministry and there's a foldable baptistry. And he says a thousand dollars. And, um, he said, I'll buy it for you. Now th- this brother, mm. brother sledge, is a missionary. He's deputizing. This, this is the heart that that man has for the kingdom. Wow. That have you ever had a missionary buy you something? (laughs) Right. Never, (laughs) never. They're collecting money so they can get out on the field. That's the heart that he had, that he has for the harvest. Wow. And, and he bought us a thousand dollar portable baptistry. Wow. And, um, and so from there we, uh, we were excited and we, uh, just started riding through the streets. Uh, even before March of this year, we've, we've done some, we would ride through the streets, knock on doors, pray with people. And, and we used it before, uh, March even doing, doing that. But, mm-hmm. um, but March we went out. So we'll, we'll pack up the a car, uh, speaker, portable baptistry, towels, uh, mic, and yeah. it, we've got it condensed in a, in a very little, like it does not take a lot of room. This, wow. it's like really condensed down and, uh, we'll pack in one car. Um, uh, it started with a big team. Like we were going out like almost 20 of us. Wow. And the, the Lord started telling me, you need to make your team smaller, smaller, you need to yeah. make your team smaller, uh, mm. it, because it would look very overwhelming. Mm. You know, you get 20 people out there. So. Uh, we we cut it down to where everybody can fit into my truck, so wow. five of us with all of the equipment, and we can just ride and pray, follow the Holy Ghost, and and set up, preach, pack up, leave. Um, so, hmm. what's we'll, what? So, what, what's been the response? You know, I I there there are people who um, listen to this podcast who are not necessarily in the state of South Carolina. So, if you will, just for a minute, I want to kind of paint the context of of what Orangeburg is like. And so uh, Orangeburg is, um, is a predominantly African-American community. Um, I think the 2022 census said that it had uh, roughly 77% um, African-American in the, uh, in the community there. And it's got uh, two HBCUs, uh, Claflin University, which is the oldest HBCU 
in South Carolina and then South Carolina State University. Um, and it's the the total population is about 13,000. And so what what has the response been to you who is you, you are a white pastor? Um, and I asked that question for a reason, because when I when we were at the district conference here recently, you and I got to talking a little bit. And I mentioned to you how every community is different. There are uh, communities in our state, for example, that they have a large um, uh, black population in it. And there's a pastor there who is just as passionate as you are about reaching the community. But the response in those areas um, uh, on the uh, from the people in the community on their side, they're not really receptive to the pastor. Um, who is a white, who is a white pastor. And this is, ha- this is in a few different communities across our state. And so for you, what has the, what has the response been um, uh, to your outreach, to your outreach efforts? So um, I guess delay a little more, some more context with that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm white and Cecil Bird that I talked about earlier, he's black. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was actually our first uh, black person that uh, came to the truth Mm. and, and stuck, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and then Will Eberhardt that I had talked about, he's also black. And so when we go out, uh, we make sure that we have mixed races when we go out on the streets. Mm. So, um, they see that, you know, this is not a white church coming to you. It's good. This is a church. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so they see black, they see white. Um, so that, that's very intentional. Intentional step. Yeah. 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 We make sure that we're always mixed and, um, I, I can say, so in our community, uh, that has been even brother Cecil, uh, brother Cecil being the first, uh, black man that came and stayed and, and loved, we loved him and he loved us and uh, we didn't view it as, Oh, you know, you're black. And he didn't view it as, Oh, y'all are white. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he got the revelation of the truth. And he, he said, this is, this is the truth. And y'all are my brothers and sisters. And so, you know, we, we've lived life together. We've, we're in true fellowship. So we go yeah. out to eat, we spend time, we give to each other. And so in our community that is predominantly black, we would go out to eat a lot and spend time together. And uh, brother Cecil would notice it more than we, we would, but he would say, you see, you see those, those black people at the table, they're staring at us. They're just staring at us. They, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, uh, and he did get a lot of, a lot of ridicule from his family about yeah. going to a you know, quote unquote white church. Yep. Uh, he got, he got a huge, huge ridicule for that. Uh, but he stayed faithful because he, he knew it wasn't about that. And, and he, he, he wanted the truth and he saw that we didn't see, see it like that. We loved him. He loved us. Mm. And so as we go out, uh, we do, we make sure it's mixed. We make sure it's never just a all white group of people, Mm. even if just one, like, uh, so I got brother Cecil, his wife, uh, will his wife. Um, we have a sister named Abria. So there's, a, you know, several black people in our congregation mm-hmm. that 
we ensure that at least one is in the group. Yeah. So they can see that this is not, you know, just a white church. Amen. And um, we have very much pushed that, that this is not a white church. This is a church. This is the church. And um, so when we go out, when we preach, uh, we'll preach a some, I preach some, uh, we just flow back and forth in ministry and we've had great response. Yeah. Uh, nobody ever shuns away because there's a lot of white people or, or, you know, majority of the group is white. Nobody walks away from us. Nobody closes their ears off to us. I mean, if they do, it's because they don't want to hear the gospel right <laughs> that that i can tell you know yeah uh, but most of the places that we go the apartment complexes the neighborhoods it is it is pretty much all black and we have never been thrown out of somewhere yeah because we're white mm-hmm. uh i don't know they they it's been very receptive uh the people come out they listen they may not get baptized sure, they may not yeah. receive the holy ghost but they they'll come out and they'll listen uh, everybody may not come out, but there are some, they'll come out, they'll listen to the word. Uh, some of them will even, Hey man, they'll, they'll get with you sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, it's been good. It's, it's been good. Um, yeah. we baptized several, uh, some mm-hmm. have received the Holy ghost. Um, every person that we've baptized on the street and that has received the Holy ghost on the street has been black and mm-hmm. it's been a majority white group, you know, there. Yeah. Uh, and typically me and brother Cecil or me and will will baptize them. It'll be both of us, one on each side. Uh, but they never said, well, I don't want the white man to touch me. Right. 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 It was never like that. It, it's always right. been very receptive. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been good, actually. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Any um, and I know we're we're nearing our end. This has been a great conversation so far. And any um, uh unique challenges that you guys may have faced over the past few months uh, in your efforts um, to reach the community in that way. And uh, with, with these intentional efforts to reach the community by having these frequent outreach uh, uh, efforts. Um, no, we haven't, we haven't really faced any challenges. Um, yeah. There's only been one time that uh, we got the cops called on us because <laughs> This, this one guy, he just, we could tell when he come out, he, he looked mad and he was walking yeah. back and forth. Was, and we we knew we, yeah, something, <laughs> something's going on. Uh, so he ended up calling the cops on us, but, um, uh, it's funny because we're, we're preaching, um, and I, I feel the Holy ghost just cut off. So as soon as I feel it cut off, I'm, I'm turning the speaker off and then here comes the cops to drive up oh, wow. and, uh, so he gets out and I said, I- I'm shutting it down now. He's like, okay, my job's done. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I told the cops, I said, well, you'll, you'll probably see a lot of us just go ahead and yeah. get ready. Yeah, we'll never be disrespectful. Anytime you show up, we'll shut it down immediately. Yeah. Just go ahead and get ready. You're going to see us a lot. And, yeah. uh, but they've only been called on us once. So, so far. <laughs> Amen. Have you have you faced any uh, just thinking about this? Have you faced any radical groups like the Hebrew Israelites while you guys were out there that want to debate you? No, not yet. No, not come across those. Okay, okay. Yeah, we were um, we were at I was at the uh, building the bridge conference in Houston, Texas, and uh, sat on a panel on the Friday night Friday night morning session um, where we were discussing some of the issues and one of the questions that came across 
was about how to deal with Hebrew, uh, these Hebrew Israelites um, that they're calling themselves this uh, predominantly black group, um, which is really a separatist cult. And I had I had the opportunity to share my testimony that I actually came out of that group and, you know, I had some pastors reach out to me afterwards, um, you know, want to pick my brain and, and ask me different questions and stuff about what, number one, maybe some some um, things to consider when we come across those groups, uh, if you come across those groups um, and then just want to know more about my testimony. But it was a it was a great it was a great session, great response to that session. Um, because we were real, there were five of us, five panelists, and we just answered a lot of those questions just, you know, as you would imagine, just truthfully, honestly, um, the the session topic was tackling the issues. Um, and then that was one question that came up about these, this, this group that's coming out. And my response to anybody who might be uh, coming across those groups or experiencing those groups or seeing those groups um, in your community is really to if you're going to debate them, do it quickly, because um, I think they are a distraction to to the the uh, the commission to go and teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, because they want to debate you all day. But they want to debate you about things that are extra biblical, um, you know, things that are not in the Bible. They want to debate the um, the errancy of the Bible. And it's like, well, if you if you if you and I can't agree on the very first step that the Bible is the unadulterated word of God, then there's no point in me um, to really have yeah. a conversation with you beyond that. So instead, you know, and I shared this with um, uh, some pastors and ministers who were interested instead of wasting our time, it, it's a good exercise, right? If you want to, if you want to go at it, but instead of wasting our time debating those types of groups, I say, let's just go after the people they're going after. Let let's reach the community that they are uh, reaching into. And, and talk to those people directly, those future saints, those future ministers, those future pastors, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, not some man-made doctrine and man-made uh, man-made gospel. So but um, but, yeah, that's why I asked you that question. I was cu just curious to know if you had come across any of them in your area. Yeah, no, no, we've uh, we've come across people doing drugs while we're preaching, <laughs> but not not a uh, Hebrew. Hey, but they, while they're high, they'll talk to you. Hey, <laughs> you can preach yeah. the gospel to them. <laughs> yeah. One guy, one guy, actually, it's funny you mentioned that at the conference. One guy, uh, uh, pastor got up and testified about how it, it was Brother Kilgore, um, not Kilgore, Hurley. Uh, um, pastor Hurley. Is it Gurley? Yes, Gurley. Gurley. Thank you. Um, he was there. He preached and he told us he talked about how you can actually find his his uh, message on um, online. But yeah, Ken, Ken Gurley, right? Yeah. Yeah. He um, he talked about how his pastor went out into the uh, went out into the community and they would oftentimes come across people. I mean, it was a bad, bad neck of the woods, you know, so to speak. And they would um come out there, come out there with this church van. And uh Brother Gurley would say how, you know, he he was a young man just getting his foot wet with ministry, his feet wet with ministry. And uh his pastor would tell him, Okay, well, just you, you know how to play the guitar? Well, no, not really, sir. And so he said, Okay, let me just teach you how to play this. Taught him the G chord, you know, the C chord, E minor, D, you know, just something's real simple. And uh he said they would pull up to these, to these communities where people would be like you said just high and 
you know, high on God knows what, you know, <laughs> uh, drunk out of their wits. And, and um, they would get off the bus and the pastor would tell Brother Gurley, all right, now just just play a G. And he would start playing a G. Um, and then he'd say, OK, now just, you know, play a little bit of this. And he and Brother Gurley would play it. And uh, he said, before you know it, those people would start like like coming to, you know, just because of the sound of this worship music. And um, as they were, when they would begin to come to and, and sort of lift their heads and stuff and become curious about what was happening, um, the pastor would ask them, yeah, you know, you, you, you guys want to come to church? And, you know, they kind of stumble, you know, and, and kind of slur, slur speech and say different things to them. But eventually they get them all lined up as Brother Gurley is playing this guitar. They get them all lined up. You know, it was like, it was like leading, you know, leading some mice or something to 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 a treat with this this music, this worship music. Uh, and he would get those guys on the bus and and uh, they would go to church and they would many of them would get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and walk away from drugs, walk away from from alcohol. Um, and so it, it's uh, when I hear those kind of things, I, I think it's just awesome, man, because, man, listen, those are the people, oh, man. If we could reach them, that's, if we that's could, who we're trying to reach. Yes, yes. Yeah. If we could just just touch their life in a in a in a and, and introduce them to Jesus Christ, man. I, you know the, the the work and the power that God has um, can change their life. And so I, I love hearing testimonies like that. I love hearing pastors going into communities where where it's drug riddled and uh, you know there's bottles all over. You know, baby diapers, and you know it's not pretty. Yeah. You know, it's no. not a pretty pretty area, but. So there, there's this, uh, there's an apartment complex we've been to twice and we've baptized each time we've been there, we baptized one person each time. Wow. And, um, but it's a rough neighborhood, very rough. There's shootings there. And I actually live right around the corner from it, not far. And me and my wife hear shootings there, Wow. uh, you know, various times at night Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. whatnot. So we've been there and, and we've preached and, uh, one time, brother will was kind of around the corner ministering to some guys. And I kind of mm-hmm. came over there and we was talking to them. And while we're talking to them, they've, they've been doing drugs. Uh, wow. and one, they got guns in their pants. Yeah. And, and we're, and we're talking to them about the gospel. Yeah. And, um, uh, it's, it's, it can be scary if you think about it. Sure. Yeah. But if you are following the Holy ghost yeah, there you go. and you know, the Lord has sent you there. You had the peace of God. I don't know. That's, that's, that's who we're called to reach. You know, yeah. we're called Amen. to reach people that are in gangs yeah. so they can come out of that and find they're looking for love. That's why they're in gangs. Yeah. They're, they want yes. love. Yes. And wow. they're missing the love of God. And so if they can taste the love of God, they'll find what they're actually looking for. The gang is just a false substitute uh, to try to fill a void and it's not going to work. You know, so if they can taste the love of God, so that yeah. that's, yeah, is 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 in me from the last two years of him dealing with me, and um, I I want to reach people in the street. That's what the church it. is called to do. Amen. And every race, I want every every race, every race, yeah. yeah. Every I've I've been yeah. praying, God, every race that is represented in our community needs to be in the church. And we've got yeah, our, our community is predominantly black. So I believe the church needs to be predominantly black yeah. because that's what's going to, that's what shows, you know, the, uh, 
Yeah, um, you're reaching the you're, your community. The community, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a representation um, of what's in the community. The, exactly, yep. Yeah. yeah. So um, black, white, we've got uh, Indian, uh, yeah. not Native American, but like Yeah, yeah, Indian. from India, yeah. Um, yeah. Hispanic, uh, Asian, we got all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And I, I want to see every race because that's the church. There is yes. neither Jew nor Greek, nor yeah. bond nor free. Amen. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. I love that, man. I love that. Well, we're, 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 uh, we're about at the end and, um, you know, I'm going to ask you as I normally do for our guests, just ask you to close us out in prayer. Um, but before we do, uh, where can folks listening to this, um, connect with your ministry, your church, um, you know, social media website or otherwise. So we have, Uh, we have a website. It is House of Refuge Orangeburg dot Aplos dot org. Perfect. And so if you go to House of Refuge Orangeburg dot Aplos dot dot org, uh, if you go to contact us, then there's links to everything. Our YouTube channel, our Facebook, um, I think there's an email address. Uh, my phone number's on there. Mm-hmm. All of that. So I'll put um, that in the um, show notes. If you want to send that, if you can send that link to me, I'll be sure to put that in the show notes and stuff so that it'll be there. Um, and folks can, can follow the link um, to connect with what you guys are doing. And I am going to get down there. I know, you know, I serve as associate pastor at our church here, Aphesus church in Columbia. And so um, I do want to get down there though, on behalf of building the bridge and really just on behalf of the, for the love of what you guys are doing um, and get down there and help you guys here one of these weekends uh, here coming up. So, um, man, I, I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate your time today. I think uh, this conversation is definitely going to be helpful um, to somebody who might be looking to reach their community or uh, be intentional about reaching their community. And so uh, with that, I'll, I'll give you the floor, any last words, and then um, just uh, go ahead and close this out in prayer. I, uh, again, I thank you for the opportunity and, um, I hope that something I've said has been a, or can be a blessing to someone that's listening. So, uh, again, uh, if anybody that's listening, if they want to contact us through any of those links, uh, feel free to, and if I can be a help to anyone, then I want to be a help, uh, however I can. Well, Father, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. I thank you, Jesus, for your kingdom. And, Lord, we want to we want to be fellow laborers together with you in your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, I pray that every person that's listening, that they will receive a burden like never before to reach the loss of their community. In Jesus' name, that they will receive a burden from you to go out and to do the work to go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature, to teach all nations, to teach all nations in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, thy will be done in Jesus' name.